Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Hey, uh, welcome to uh, this this edition of our uh, weekly podcast uh, or video cast. A little bit different this week. Uh, we had a couple of technical uh, difficulties, malfunction that happened with our camera system, but um, but I, I felt like this. Uh, content was so important that I wanted to bring it to you. So I've got my TV, uh, my iPad, if you were in service with us, and my notes. And so uh, let's just jump into this. Um, we've, we've got four questions today uh, that can really, that have the potential to transform your life. Um, because we're talking about uh, the series we're in, it's called Field of Dreams. And the first question is real simple. Like, um, what makes for a dream life? Um, what, what are the elements, what are the things that are necessary um, for us to look at our life and be like, man, I'm living the dream, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing it down. Like, we all want a dream life, but what, what makes one have a dream life? And I believe there are four uh, different elements to a dream life. And so uh, you'll, you'll see these on the screen behind me as I, as I draw them out. And the first one I think is real obvious. The first one is uh, is simply um, success. Success. I hope you can see that uh, on the on the TV. Um, because here's the thing, right? Like when we're young and we're dreaming about our life, most of us uh, dream that uh, our life is going to have uh, a measure of success. And so um, we, we don't dream of a life, you know, nobody as a kid says, man, I really dream that I'm going to work my way up to middle level management. You know, we don't do that. You know, I really want to be a yes man, a yes woman. I want to get paid less for doing the same work as my coworkers. No, we don't, we don't do that. When we imagine our lives, we imagine that that whatever we're doing, that, that we're going to have success, we're going to win awards, we're going to achieve, people are going to notice, we're going to have results, right? Uh, but the truth is this, the truth is that success by itself is too small for the dream life. Uh, success is great, it's part of the dream life, but it's only part, it's not, it's not the whole. And so when we think about the dream life, I think we also imagine that in that life, in that success, uh, we have someone to share it with. In fact, I'm going to go over the word success again to make sure you can see that. Uh, we imagine we have someone to share it with. Maybe that's uh, co-workers or teammates or a spouse. For a lot of people, when they think of their dream life, they're married. They, they have this love of their life. Or maybe for you, it's kids. Maybe you've dreamed that, that in your life that you'll be a, a dad or a mom. And you'll have someone in your life, you'll have a someone to, sh to share the success with. It's like the joke about the, uh, the pastor, right, who, um, who, who longed to go play golf but, um, but he, he had this really weird series of bad weather. Uh, so Monday through Saturday, it was always raining, but on Sunday, it was beautiful and sunny. But he's got church on Sunday until one day he just finally decides, I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, this Sunday, I'm taking off. He sends a 
text message to his associate, says, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. And he goes and plays golf and he drives like four hours away. So nobody will notice him. Um, and he ends up playing the greatest round of golf that he's ever played. And he gets to the end and he says, God, I, I don't, I don't understand. I thought, I thought for sure you'd make this miserable because I skipped out on what I was supposed to do. And God says, I did make it miserable. And he's like, what are you talking about? I just played the best round of golf of my life. And God says, who are you going to tell? <laughs> it's that, right? Like you may have achieved success, but if you don't have someone to share it with, if you don't have somebody to tell about it, it's empty. You see, success by itself is always empty. It's a diminished joy. Because when you dreamed about your life, you dreamed not only that you would have success, but you'd have somebody to share it with. You dreamed that you would have people who loved you and people that you loved. But even success is, is success and, and having someone is not the full picture of, of a dream life. Because um, you may have never thought of it this way, but when you thought about your dream life, you also were a person that you could respect. In your dream life, you had self-respect. In other words, um, when you thought about your dream life, you were able to look at yourself in the mirror and, and be proud of the person that you had become rather than lowering your eyes in disgrace. Because we wanna, we, here's the thing, wherever we go, there we are, right? Like, like you are the constant in your own life. You never get away from you. So if you can't respect yourself, it's a miserable life. That's not a dream life. You have to be able to actually respect the person that you have become. But even those three together still don't completely finish the dream life because here's the last one. And I think you would agree with me that when we imagine our dream life, the life that we're all shooting for, uh, there is a level of significance, significant, yeah, I, that we've achieved. In other words, our lives actually matter. Uh, it's not just making a dollar, it's making a difference. You know what I mean? Like we don't want to just make a dollar. No, I want to make a difference. I want to know that my life counted for something, that, that there was a purpose here for my life. Now, you would probably agree with me, if we achieved all of this in our life, that would be a pretty good life. That'd be a dream life, right? Like success, someone to share it with, respecting the person that you are, and significance, that'd be pretty awesome. But here's the deal. Most of us never get here. That's why we're doing this series, because most of us miss out on, on, on at least two or maybe even three of the elements of a dream life. Like we all want the dream life, but we, but, but we get one thing and we crash on the rest. We, we get success but, but it costs us the people in our lives. Or, or we get success, but it costs us our integrity. And that's just not the dream life. And the, the thing is, uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe anybody has ever actually taught us how to get this. We don't know how to get this. Like we all quote John 10, 10, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus says, that you may have life and life more abundantly. That's great. We can quote that all day, and this is what life more abundantly looks like, but if you don't know how to get there, then what are you left with, right? Like we don't have a clue how God leads us into this life. How does he grow us up? And that's our second question. How does God 
grow us up into this life. And to look at that, we're going to look at the character of Joseph from Genesis chapters 37 through 50. And don't worry, we're not going to read all of those chapters. We're just going to kind of give you the highlights of his life and show you where it fits on this uh, paradigm, this idea. So at 17 years old, Joseph receives a dream from God, a vision from God. Um, now, Joseph's family is made up of Joseph and a bunch of brothers, right? Uh, 11 brothers, uh, a few, a sister here and there, uh, a dad and a mom and, and another lady who's his brother's mom. Anyway, it's a really weird family. Um, a couple other women in there. It's crazy. But, um, but Joseph was his dad's favorite. In fact, Joseph's dad, uh, his name's Jacob. Uh, eventually, he's called Israel. That's where the name for the nation of Israel comes from, from Jacob, from Joseph's dad. Uh, Joseph's grandfather is Isaac. His great-grandfather is Abraham. So this is a pretty important family. Um, and Joseph is the favorite, and his dad gives him this coat uh, we call the coat of many colors. Uh, it was this beautiful jacket kind of thing, and it made his brothers jealous. But then Joseph tells him his dream. He says, hey, guys, guess what? I had a dream the other night, and in my dream, I was standing, and every one of you were bowing at my feet. In fact, mom and dad were bowing, and all the servants were bowing, and I was standing there, right? Now, I don't know if you have brothers and sisters, but let's face it, like if I have a dream that my brothers and sisters are, are bowing at my feet, that's a pretty good life. <laughs> that would be a pretty good dream, right? Um, but here's the thing. What happens next in Joseph's life? He has this dream uh, that, that everybody's bowing at his feet, and then he ends up in a pit. He ends up in a pit because those same brothers were jealous of him because he strutted around and bragged around. I'm, I'm not just dad's favorite. I'm God's favorite too. Well, Joseph, how do you know you're God's favorite? Have you ever had a dream from God? No, come on. I'm God's favorite. So his, his kind of pride and arrogance gets him thrown in a pit because his brothers are jealous and they sell him into slavery. They throw him in a pit and they sell him to Egyptian slave traders. And I imagine that as they're like looking down at Joseph in the pit, they're looking and they're like, hey, Joseph, how's that dream now? How, how about that bowing now? Who's beneath whom now, Joseph? Right? And so Joseph's in this pit. And, and I imagine he had to be asking God, what are you doing? What, what are you doing, God? I thought, I thought you gave me this dream and I'm trying to follow you, but, but what on earth are you allowing to happen in my life? I mean, I remember asking that very same question at 25 years old with this dream of planting a church. And Hope and I had joined a church plant uh, with some friends down in, in Kill Devil Hills. And it started off great, but then, you know, things happened and personalities clashed. And, and we ended up moving away, chasing, uh, ch chasing, trying to get more money so we could go launch our own church. Uh, we we uh, we went to Gulfport, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina to get a job, and uh, and we thought we were going to make like six figures and get rich, but instead we went the opposite direction and we incurred more debt and we uh, we had to short sell our house and we we lost that and and I just remember thinking, God, what went wrong? Like like this isn't this isn't the way I imagined the dream happening. And maybe today you find yourself in a pit like that. Like you believe God has given you this awesome dream and you're like, what are you doing? God, I don't even get it. I, I thought it was going to be better than this. I thought I was going to be further along than this. I didn't imagine I was going to be in a pit. Well, is it possible that what God was teaching Joseph 
what God was teaching me and maybe what God was teaching you is in that, in that time in your life was um, how to win dependence. How to win dependence. Because you see, the dream in Joseph's life was going to be accomplished not by Joseph's power, but by God's power. Because if it's God's plan, it's God's power. If it's God's purpose, it's God's power. It's not yours, it's not mine. So to grow Joseph up, God had to strip him of all self-reliance. Joseph, if this is going to become true in your life, if this dream is going to become a reality, you have to understand it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about me. And so God strips him of his name. He comes from a prominent family, servants and and people attending to him. That's gone. Strips him of his resources. His family had a lot of wealth. Uh, All of that's gone. He's a slave. Strips him of his freedom. Joseph can't even go do whatever he wants to do. He, he, He is a slave to someone else. Which brings us to this other kind of side note. Listen, to grow up human, like to, in a human physical sense, is to move from uh, dependence to independence, right? Like when we're born, we're babies, we can't walk, we, we can't crawl, we can't even feed ourselves. Somebody has to take care of us. But as we grow, we become more independent, right? It's, it's why kids are born so stinking cute because as parents, we look at them and we're, we're thinking, I can't imagine my life without you. But then God makes them teenagers <laughs> and God gets them a little bit older. And we think, I can't imagine you staying in my house any longer. And because we are, we, we are pushing them towards independence. But listen, to grow up spiritually is the exact opposite. We move from independence to dependence. We, we come to God distanced from him, separated from him, living life on our own, making our own choices. And the more mature we become in Christ, the more dependent we are on God's power, on God's presence in our lives. So so Joseph is learning the very thing that Jesus said in John 15, that I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the same thing that I had to learn. And maybe that's the thing you're learning right now is how to win dependence. Well, later on in Joseph's life, in his early 20s, he's working for a guy named Potiphar. Not really working, he's a slave for a guy named Potiphar, who's an upper high-ranking official in Pharaoh's government. And, um, and, and he's, he's risen to the place of overseeing the entire house. He is the, he's like the head guy in the whole house uh, overseeing everything. And then Potiphar's wife makes a sexual advance towards him, uh, a sexual affair, if you will, an indecent proposal. And Joseph has to decide in that moment, what kind of person am I going to become? Who, what kind of person am I going to be? And we all face that question, right? We all face the question of, of I might, Joseph's question was, I might be a slave on the outside, but I don't have to be a slave to my, to my passions, to my desires, to, to something that could be pleasurable to me. And in that moment, I think the second kind of breakthrough in Joseph's life came when he learned how to win within. How to win within. How to win on the inside. How to make the right decision, even when nobody else is watching, even when the wrong decision would feel so 
right. And he did. He made the right decision. He ran from Potiphar's wife. But sometimes even making the right decision, uh, you can still lose because that's what happened to Joseph. Uh, Potiphar's wife got ticked off that Joseph turned her down and, he, and she accused him of rape. And Joseph's just a slave, so he gets thrown into prison. So he started off as a slave. He kind of creep, you know, rose up a little bit to become a servant, high-ranking servant. Now he's in prison. Have you ever made the right decision and the circumstances got worse? I want you to know, even if that happens to you, God's not done. Let's just sit here with Joseph for a minute. See, Joseph is a servant. Now he's a slave. And he's probably, he's probably tasked with doing menial things like getting on his hands and knees and cleaning the floor, cleaning the bathrooms where, where nobody notices him. In fact, people, probably important people are walking by the whole time as he's a servant, a slave, and, and they don't notice him. They, they don't notice Joseph there. He's, to them, he's a nobody. He's nothing. And I wonder if in that moment it occurred to him, I used to be important. I used to be a somebody. I used to be honored in my house. I used to be favored by my father. I had a coat. I had servants. And I never once really even acknowledged them. I never valued them. I never, never even paid attention to how I treated them. In fact, I treated my brothers like they were, like they were beneath me. I was so braggadocious, so arrogant. Maybe, maybe in this season in God's life, in Joseph's life, God is teaching Joseph how to win with others, how to value people, how to really value people. See, what if God has you in places like he has Joseph, where you feel humbled, where you're down you know, on your knees doing what you don't want to, do, to be doing, begging God to lift you up, begging God to get you out of this circumstance, but God has you there because he's changing the way you view people the way you value people. Maybe God's trying to teach you. Maybe God's trying to teach me something about winning with other people. Well, fast forward into Joseph's life. Uh, Years go by. He's 30 years old, and Pharaoh has a dream. And in Pharaoh's dream, uh, he tells his, his dream interpreters, and none of them can figure it out. They have no idea what the dream is about. And so um, this one guy says, well, there's this guy, he's in prison, he can interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh's like, well, bring him up, you know, clean him up, let's get him up here. Let me tell him and see if he can do it. So they bring Joseph up and Pharaoh looks at him and, and he says, hey, here's the dream. Can you interpret this dream? And Joseph says, no, no, I can't interpret a dream. But then he says, I can't, but God can. You see what, what Joseph has learned is, is if I can do anything, it's only because I'm dependent on God. Anything that comes out of my life, it's because God does it. So he tells Pharaoh, I can't, but God can. And if God chooses, he'll give me the interpretation of your dream. So Pharaoh tells him his dream. And Joseph says, yes, here's what God says. Uh, you're going to have seven years of plenty. And that's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph just doesn't just present the problem. He actually goes a step forward and gives Pharaoh a solution. He says, here's what you need to do. You need to find a person who can oversee this operation. And during the seven years of plenty, you need to store away food so that during the seven years of famine, uh, you survive, that you have plenty in your stockpiles. And Pharaoh says, listen, I don't see anybody smarter than this guy. You have the job. You're in charge. Matter of fact, 
you're number two in the whole country. So in one day, Joseph moves from the prison to the palace. That's pretty awesome. That's a pretty big promotion. Um, and, and he becomes the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And look at this. So in this moment in his life, Joseph learns how to win results. How to win results. How to, uh, how to get a promotion and be the kind of person who deserves it, right? Like how to win results. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. Because listen, results is not the end. Success is not the end. It always has to come back to God because it always begins and ends with God. And Joseph is 39 years old. It's been 22 years since his brother sold him into, into slavery. And now they're at his feet bowing, begging for, begging for food. And um, they don't know it's him. They don't know it's Joseph. Um, and all Joseph has to do is say the word and they'll be executed. All Joseph has to do is give the word and, and his servants will kill them and nobody will question him because he's the second most powerful person in the entire nation. But Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph doesn't execute judgment. Joseph gives forgiveness. In fact, Joseph says this. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good for the saving of lives. In other words, Joseph says, fellas, what you meant for evil, God meant so that my life could make a difference. God meant for significance. The, our family is saved. The whole family gets saved because of Joseph. In fact, from that family, eventually, Jesus comes. That's a pretty significant moment, right? That's a pretty significant uh, deal. Joseph is a pretty big deal, which then, of course, begs the next, next question. If, if this is how God grows us up, then what's, what's the pattern? Like, what's the um, what's God's game plan for our lives? And that's where, um, that's where the whole baseball analogy comes in. That's where this whole thing really kind of starts making sense. And I hope uh, for you, I hope this is where uh, some, some moments really start clicking for you because I believe God has a pattern for our lives. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, Paul says this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he says this in verse 2. He says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So in other words, the world has a pattern by which it lives life. An order, a game plan. And he says, don't do that. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words... There's a pattern that the world uses to grow people, and there's a pattern that God uses to grow people. Go with God's pattern. So here's where the whole baseball analogy comes in to play. And let's just kind of draw our baseball diamond. That's a terrible looking diamond, but anyway, you get the idea, all right? Uh, baseball is a game that's so simple that little kids can play, but so complex that even adults like professional athletes can't master. And there's a pattern. There are four bases, right? There are four bases. <laughs> there are four bases in baseball. We have home plate. We have first base. We have second base. And we have third base. Doesn't matter if you're in little league or major league. Third, little league, four bases. Majors, four bases. It's not like little league has two and the majors have seven. No, Four bases, three outs, 
four balls, three strikes. Foul lines uh, set the, the parameters of the field to keep the ball in play, right? And so everything begins at home play, right? And at home play, that's where we... Actually, let me make this a little bit bolder so you can see. At home play, that's where we connect with God. We connect with God because everything in our life is God's purpose by God's power. And you got to have power at the plate, right? Baseball fans, power at the plate is preferred. Um, and so even if you're not sure about God, even if you're not sure about Jesus and you're uncertain about all of this, you still have to answer the questions, why am I here? Where, where did I come from? What's my purpose in life? And so it all begins right here at home plate where we connect with God. God, God loves us and he wants us to be restored to him and, and connected to him. So the first thing is connecting with God. And then God, the first thing God does in our lives is he takes us to first base and he begins developing character character. So we've got connect, we've got character. Because here's the thing, when we come to God, the first thing that we're doing, right, um, is, 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 is we're praying, God, I need you to change this. God, I need you to change that. Lord, would you change my job? Would you, Lord, I didn't realize my spouse was so selfish. I didn't realize my kids were so annoying. God, would you change them? God, I need a bigger house. Could you give me a bigger house? But the first thing the Holy Spirit does in your life and my life is he centers in right in our hearts. And he says, I want to start by changing you. I want to begin right here on first base. And here's the truth. Most of us get thrown out before we get to first. Now that's true in baseball and that's true in life. Most of us never make it to first base. But if we do make it to first base, second base is the people base. Second base is about community. Community. See, the first and, and, and greatest commandment, Jesus says, is this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, it says the first base is this. It's connect. Love God. But then he says the second commandment is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your neighbor, second base, as you love yourself, first base. Love God. Love yourself. Love others. This is God's game plan. You get through second base, then that takes us to third base. And third base is uh, the competence base. It's the, uh, it's the performance base. It's where you start seeing uh, success. It's where you start, you start realizing um, uh, w w what you're doing starts having results. But notice this, it doesn't end on third base. Life isn't about getting to third base. If, you, if you're in a baseball game and you get to third base and the inning ends, guess what? You didn't score. You didn't, you, all you got, you got stranded. And a lot of people get stranded on third base because they think that's what life is about. No, you got to get home. You got to live for something greater than yourself. You got to live and you come back to home place. Significance, purpose, difference. I'm living life larger than Myself, I'm living it for God's glory. This is, this is God's game plan for our lives. This is how God grows us up. And check this out. The order actually matters, right? 
if this is God's pattern, then what's the world's pattern? How does the world live life? Well, the reality is the world lives life by the same things. The world says the same things are important, but it goes about doing them in a different way. See, Paul says don't conform to the pattern of this world. Well, what's the pattern of this world? The world runs the bases backwards. The world tells you to start off and, and run to third base because we're a performance-driven society. We live in a world that runs the bases backwards. The world tells us chase after success, chase after performance. Your value is determined by what you do. Success is determined by how well you perform. So we spend our lives running to third first. And I'm here to tell you, man, the only time running the bases backwards is funny is in Little League, right? If you did that in the majors, you'd look like a moron. And so when we do that in our adult lives, we look foolish because this is not what life is about. So we run the bases backwards. And here's what we do. When we run the bases backwards, we end up cheating everything else in our lives. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, when you run the bases backwards, you end up cheating second base. You end up cheating the people uh, that, that you love. You, you, you cheat what it takes to build a family or you cheat what it takes to maintain friendships because everything is sacrificed to results, to success. And we, all, we, cheat, we cheat our self-respect because we'll do anything to get success, even if it means cutting some corners and, and compromising on our integrity. So we cheat that. We cheat time with God. We cheat home plate because, listen, I don't have time to spend uh, with God. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church every week. I don't have that kind of time. I'm chasing after success. I'm going after third base. And here's what's true, man. We end up, we end up costing ourselves the dream life by chasing after success. And we skip the other things that would actually give us the life that we're longing for. See, we have to have all of this to have the dream life, but we think we're going to get it by chasing success and cheating everything else that would actually bring us a dream life. In fact, we end up living our entire lives backwards. See, in our 20s and 30s, we chase after success. We, chase, we, we run to third. And then when we get about, you know, in, into our 40s, we start realizing, hey, man, there's a lot more to life than just success. You know, I've, I've burned through two, three two or three marriages. I've got kids that I'm estranged from that I don't even know. And so we start trying to reconnect with people in our lives. We start trying to uh, um, uh, rebuild bridges that we burn on our way to success. And we start, we start trying to have someone in our life to share it with. And then, and then what happens is we get into our 50s and we start hearing things and people saying, you know, who you are really matters. The character Character matters. It matters who you are on the inside. And then finally, somewhere along the way, maybe when we're on our deathbed or when, we, when we're in our you know, 60s or 70s, then we finally start, start thinking, hey, why was I even here? What was the purpose of my life? Is there a God? What's his plan for me? Have I wasted my entire life never making a difference, just chasing after success, just, just, just burning through everything at the cost of that? And we end up living our whole lives backwards. And that's the pattern the world wants you to run. 
That's the pattern that, that, that Paul says, hey, don't conform to this pattern. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let me ask you a question as we close out this video. How do you run the bases? What's the, what's the pattern you've been running? And what's the, uh, is there a change that needs to happen? How will you run the bases going forward? What's the pattern that you've been running? And is God asking you to make a change? Is God, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now and saying, yeah, 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 you see, this is where you've been running. Some people, some people run to second first and they chase after relationships for fulfillment. They chase after uh, friendships and, and romantic relationships thinking that's going to be the pinnacle of their dream life. And running to second is just as devastating as running to third. It, it doesn't get you what you're longing for. The only way we achieve that is if we run God's plan with God's power, God's way. So let me pray for you uh, as we wrap up this video um, that, that, that God would just lead you to running the bases the right direction. Lord, we pray right now. We have to confess that, God, we've been running the bases backwards. Many of us have been running the wrong direction, and we're losing. God, we're losing. We need a fresh start. We need a new at bat. God, we invite you right now to renew our minds, to transform our thinking, transform our lives. Maybe right now you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe that's where you need to start. You need to start by connecting with God for the first time. If that's you, it's not complicated. Just, just tell him, say, Lord, I, I, I want to surrender my life to you. I've been doing life backwards and I want you, Jesus, to lead my life. Or maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus today. You, maybe you look at it and you say, God, I've gone adrift. I've gotten sloppy. I've been running, I've been running my life the world's way. And God, I need, to, I need to change. I need to make a difference. Whatever, whatever your prayer is, uh, just, I, I just pray right now that God would give you the courage to confess and then own what is yours. At what base have you been neglecting? What base have you been running to first, chasing after the dream life? I pray that you would have humility to ask God for help and then to surrender to him as he as he teaches you and, and leads you, not just today, but, but over the next month and a half as we continue this series. God, just lead us and guide us into the truth of how you want us to live. We want a dream life, but we know to have a dream life, God, we're going to do it your way with your power for your purpose. Amen. Amen. I hope you'll join us for the rest of the series. Hope you have a great rest of the day. We're kicking off next uh, this coming Sunday by looking at how, to, how do we get on base? How do we get to first base? I hope you'll join us for that. Y'all have a great rest of the day. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.